Rend your heart and not your garments, and turn unto the Lord your God. For he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repenteth him of evil. O Lord, open thou our lips. And our mouth shall show forth thy praise. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Praise ye the Lord. The Lord's name be praised. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us heartily rejoice in the strength of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving, and show ourselves glad in him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God, and a great King above all gods. In his hand are all the corners of the earth, and the strength of the hills is his also. The sea is his, and he made it, and his hands prepared the dry land. O come, let us worship and fall down and kneel before the Lord our Maker. For he is the Lord our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. Today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation, and as in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works, forty years long was I grieved with this generation, and said, it is a people that do err in their hearts, where they have not known my ways, unto whom I swear in my wrath, that they should not enter into my rest. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Psalm 79 on page 439. O God, the heathen are come into thine inheritance. Thy holy temple have they defiled and made Jerusalem a heap of stones. The dead bodies of thy servants have they given to be meat unto the fowls of the air, and the flesh of thy saints unto the beasts of the land. Their blood have they shed like water on every side of Jerusalem, and there is no man to bury them. We are become an open shame to our enemies a very scorn and derision unto them that are round about us. Lord, how long wilt thou be angry? Shall thy jealousy burn like fire forever? Pour out thine indignation upon the heathen that have not known thee, and upon the kingdoms that have not called upon thy name. For they have devoured Jacob, and laid waste his dwelling place. O remember not our old sins, but have mercy upon us, and that soon for we are come to great misery. Help us, O God, of our salvation, for the glory of thy name. O deliver us to be merciful unto our sins for thy name's sake. Wherefore do the heathen say, Where is now their God? O let the vengeance of thy servant's blood that is shed be openly showed upon the heathen in our sight. O let the sorrowful sighing of the prisoners come before thee according to the greatness of thy power preserve thou those that are appointed to die and for the blasphemy wherewith our neighbors have blasphemed thee reward thou them o lord sevenfold into their bosom so we that are thy people and sheep of thy pasture shall give thee thanks forever and will always be showing forth thy praise from generation to generation Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. 
Here we get into the 42nd chapter of the book of Genesis. When Jacob saw that there was grain in Egypt, Jacob said to his sons, why do you look at one another? And he said, indeed, I have heard there is grain in Egypt. Go down to that place and buy for us there that we may live and not die. So Joseph's 10 brothers went down to buy grain in Egypt, but Jacob did not send Joseph's brother Benjamin with his brothers, for he said, lest some calamity befall him. And the sons of Israel went to buy grain among those who journeyed, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. Now Joseph was governor over the land, and it was he who sold all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed down before him with their faces to the earth. Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them, but he acted as a stranger to them and spoke roughly to them. Then he said to them, where do you come from? And they said, from the land of Canaan to buy food. So Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. Then Joseph remembered the dreams which he had dreamed about them and said to them, you are spies. You have come to see the nakedness of the land. They said to him, no, my Lord, but your servants have come to buy food. We are all one man's sons. We are honest men. Your servants are not spies. But he said to them, no, but you've come to sing the nakedness of the land. And they said, your servants are 12 brothers, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. In fact, the youngest is with our father today and one is no more. But Joseph said to them, it is as I spoke to you saying, you are spies. In this matter, you shall be tested. By the life of Pharaoh, you shall not leave this place unless your youngest brother comes here. Send one of you and let him bring your brother and you shall be kept in prison that your words may be tested to see whether there is any truth in you or else by the life of Pharaoh, surely you are spies. So he put them together in prison three days. Then Joseph said to them the third day, do this and live for I fear God. If you are honest men, let one of your brothers be confined to your prison house but you go and carry grain for the famine of your houses and bring your youngest brother to me. So your words will be verified and you shall not die. And they did so. Then they said to one another, we are truly guilty concerning our brother for we saw the anguish of his soul when he pleaded with us and we would not hear. Therefore, this distress has come upon us. And Reuben answered them saying, did I not speak to you saying, do not sin against the boy and you would not listen? Therefore behold, his brother is now, his blood is now required of us. But they did not know that Joseph understood them for he spoke to them through an interpreter and he turned himself away from them and wept. Then he returned to them again and talked with them and he took Simeon from them and bound him before their eyes. And Joseph gave a command to fill their sacks with grain, to restore every man's money to his sack, and to give them provisions for the journey. Thus he did for them. So they loaded their donkeys with the grain and departed from there. But as one of them opened his sack to give his donkey feed at the encampment, he saw his money, and there it was in the mouth of his sack. So he said to his brothers, my money has been restored, and there it is in my sack. And then their hearts failed them and they were afraid, saying to one another, what is that this that God has done to us? 
Then they went to Jacob their father in the land of Canaan and told him all that had happened to them, saying, The man who was lord of the land spoke roughly to us and took us for spies of the country. But we said to him, We are honest men, we are not spies. We are twelve brothers, sons of our father. One is no more, and the youngest is with our father this day in the land of Canaan. Then the man, the lord of the country, said to us, By this I will know that you are honest men. Leave one of your brothers here with me. Take food for the famine of your households and be gone. And bring your youngest brother to me, so I shall know that you are not spies, but you are honest men. I will grant your brother to you, and you may trade in the land. Then it happened that as they emptied their sacks, that surprisingly each man's bundle of money was in his sack. And when they and their father saw the bundles of money, they were afraid. And Jacob their father said to them, You have bereaved me. Joseph is no more. Simeon is no more. And you want to take Benjamin. All these things are against me. Then Reuben spoke to his father, saying, Kill my two sons if I do not bring him back to you. Put him in my hands, and I will bring him back to you. But he said, My son shall not go down with you, for your brother is dead, and he is left alone. If any calamity should befall him along the way in which you go, then you would bring down my gray hair with sorrow to the grave. Here endeth the first lesson. Blessed art thou, Lord God of our fathers, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou for the name of thy majesty, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou in the temple of thy holiness, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou that beholdest the depths and dwellest between the cherubim, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou in the glorious throne of thy kingdom, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou in the firmament of heaven, praised and exalted above all forever. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Here beginneth the 17th verse of the 11th chapter of the first epistle to the Corinthians. Now in giving these instructions I do not praise you, since you come together not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and in part I believe it. For there must also be factions among you, that those who are approved may be recognized among you. Therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of the others. One is hungry and another is drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. For I receive from the Lord, which I also deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. 
For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment. And the rest I will set in order when I come. Here endeth the second lesson. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has risen and redeemed his people. He hath raised up a mighty salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our forefathers, and to remember his holy covenant, to perform the oath which he sware to our forefather Abraham, that he would give us, that we, being delivered out of the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him, all the days of our life. And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people, for the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high has visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you and with thy spirit let us pray our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. O Lord, show thy mercy upon us. And grant us thy salvation. O God, may clean our hearts within us. 
and take not thy Holy Spirit from us. Almighty God, who in thy providence did choose thy servant Patrick to be an apostle to the people of Ireland, to bring those who are wandering in darkness and error to the true light and knowledge of thee, grant us so to walk in that light, that we may come at last to the light of everlasting life, through the merits of Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord. Amen. We beseech thee, Almighty God, look upon the hearty desires of thy humble servants, and stretch forth the right hand of thy majesty to be our defense against all our enemies. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty and everlasting God, who hatest nothing that thou hast made, and dost forgive the sins of all those who are penitent, create, make in us new and contrite hearts, that we, worthy lamenting our sins and acknowledging our wretchedness, may obtain of thee the God of all mercy, perfect remission and forgiveness, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O God, who art the author of peace and lover of concord, in knowledge of whom standeth our eternal life, whose service is perfect freedom, defend us thy humble servants in all assaults of our enemies, that we, surely trusting in thy defense, may not fear the power of any adversaries, through the might of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, Defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings being ordered by thy governance may be righteous in thy sight, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Morning to all. I want to continue to look at this Joseph story in terms of what it teaches us about you know, the spiritual life and, and the way we look at life in general. And this chapter um, 42 presents us with the uh, kind of reversal of fortune that, it, that characterizes um, sort of biblical um, patterns. Uh, we, we have it, for example, in the Magnificat, he had put down the mighty from their seat and exalted the humble and meek. We know Joseph, at the beginning of our story, was, was the youngest child who had no power, and his jealous brother sold him. Um, into slavery, and they had power over him. They were, you know, they they were in control. And in the passage of time, we've just seen the reversal of fortune through the famine. The brothers are now needy, dependent, and Joseph has been slowly raised up to position of power. And now they come to him, uh, needing something from him in the position of humility, where as before they were in a position of authority. And this. There's a number of themes here. It's, it's, it shows God's sovereign ordering of life. It also shows, when we talk about, you know, judgment, sometimes we think about, we certainly believe that our Lord is going to come at a moment in time and judge, but there's this sense in which the judgments of God work out in the ordinary course of life that God has you know, put into the very fabric of creation, the reality that that what you do sows the seed of a consequence that will naturally accrue much like a seed put in the ground. So so you do something wrong, you sell your brother into slavery, you think you've gotten away with it, but in the just in the cosmic way that God has ordered the world, <clears throat> that will always come back and you will always be, be, be so so over the long providential ordering here, the brothers are now coming to terms with their own sin. Joseph, who who is who experienced the misfortune, the the um, the you know the the abuse at their hands, but remained faithful in the dungeons in Egypt is now being raised up, 
And this is what happens in our lives. I mean, if we, if you think, for example, at some point in time in your life, you did something that you got away with, it's likely that a later season in life, you came face to face with it. You, you know, you, you, your, your conscience can't make you run from it. And the ordering of life, just somehow you face, and these brothers are coming down and they're facing this in Egypt that they remember in encountering Joseph, even though they don't know it's Joseph yet, they remember, oh yeah, we did this thing. This thing is on our conscience. We carry this thing uh, of guilt. And um, so it, it's, the, it's a biblical theme that those who um, patiently endure in following God are exalted. And those who in pride take advantage of the weak are eventually brought down. Uh, it calls to mind a, a, a line from First Peter. He says, humble yourself under the almighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. And so we, we patiently endure knowing, and, and it really comes back to the, <clears throat> honestly, to the idea of justification, which is so central New Testament, that, that as we continue in faith and faithfulness, God justifies us and his positive verdict on us will eventually be shown in the way our lives, the trajectory of our lives ultimately on the last day when he, those whom he favors, he, he, he chooses. And those who um, rebel against God, that will also be revealed. And, and so that's the, the providential ordering of God in history, which we ought to look at our lives that way. We can really see God's ordering really when we look at our lives over longer stretches of time and see how those judgments play out and it's encouragement for us to to sow the good seed of faithfulness that will you know produce that harvest of vindication and to beware of the unfaithfulness which we may think we're getting away with but we're not <clears throat> and as it relates to the new testament lesson first corinthians 11 it's, it's kind of the similarity between the Genesis story is that the Christians are squabbling amongst themselves and those who are better off and have more money are neglecting those in the church who don't have as much. And there's a, a, a discontentedness. The, the one thing about this passage we should be aware of because it comes over into our exhortation in the prayer book that we read in the first Sunday of Lent and I think uh, the uh, uh, Trinity Sunday and 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 in Advent, where it let a man so examine himself and so to meet of this flesh and drink the drink of the cup, is that um, we often tend to think about that as I have to examine my life for the personal sins I've committed. You know where I've been selfish, where I've been this. But the primary thing Saint Paul has in view is the way the church is treating each other. Whether those are true, so. So that they're they're apparently they're gathering for the early forms of the Eucharist in a home, and before it was completely separated from a meal. Um, some people, rich people, were getting early, having a big meal, getting drunk. Some poor people are kind of excluded, not really welcomed into the home in the same way. And when he says, um, "Not discerning the Lord's body." We could think about like, oh, I'm not looking at at the at the you know the the bread and seeing the body of Christ. He equally has in mind the clear connection between the members of the body and the body of Christ. So this this bread, this cup is the body and blood, but your person next to you in church is the body of Christ also. 
So it's incongruous that you have this this sort of um, Eucharistic devotion where and this you know, where it's unbalanced when we have an unbalanced devotion to the elements and combined with a lack of love for the person next to us. True sacramental devotion always makes that clear connection between the body of Christ and the body of Christ. And it's why the Eucharist is quintessentially a corporate event. You know, we, we certainly have private communions, people can't come to church, but, but to gather as a body and to become, through the Eucharistic act, be made into the body of Christ, then puts upon us the, the commandment to love one another. And, and so, as we become the body of Christ, by this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another, so that true sacramentality works in that horizontal way. And, and it's always been a bad aspect of the tradition when people turn Eucharistic devotion into my personal thing. And then like the old, like, you know, so what do you, oh, you're, that's my pew, that's my seat, or something like that. You get the kind in church. Um, that's, it's like you're going to go receive the body of Christ while you tell the body of Christ, you can't sit next to me. And so we have to be aware of that. And, and this is why in our Eucharistic devotion, um, in our love and the body of Christ, we ought to um, be aware of, the people in the body, we find it hardest to love. That's where we have to focus our attention, because that's the body of Christ. That's a challenge for us. Everybody, we all can love the people in the body we love to love. And, and so that's, that's kind of how this, so it's not, it's, it's <clears throat> examine yourself in terms of how you're loving the least of these in the body, not just your personal sins that are somehow outside the body that you're hiding from it. That's kind of the focus on that. Good thing to think about during Lent. So, a few thoughts on today's lessons. O oh God, the creator and preserver of all mankind, we humbly beseech thee for all sorts and conditions of men, that thou wouldst be pleased to make thy ways known unto them, thy saving health unto all nations. More especially, pray for thy holy church universal, that it may be so guided and governed by thy good spirit, that all who profess and call themselves Christians may be led into the way of truth, and hold the faith in unity of spirit, in the bond of peace, and in righteousness of life. Finally, we commend to thy fatherly goodness all those who are any ways afflicted or distressed, in mind, body, or estate. that it may please thee to comfort and relieve them according to their several necessities, giving them patience under their sufferings and a happy issue out of all their afflictions. This we beg for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. Almighty God, Father of all mercies, we, thine unworthy servants, do give thee most humble and hearty thanks for all thy goodness and loving kindness to us and to all men. We bless thee for our creation, preservation, and all the blessings of this life, but above all for thine inestimable love and the redemption of the world by our Lord Jesus Christ, 
for the means of grace and for the hope of glory. And we beseech thee, give us that due sense of all thy mercies, that our hearts may be unfeignedly thankful, and that we show forth thy praise not only with our lips but in our lives, by giving up ourselves to thy service, and by walking before thee in holiness and righteousness all our days. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom with thee and the Holy Ghost be honor and glory, world without end. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Ghost be with us all evermore. Amen. Thank you all for joining us in prayer this morning. Hope you have a great St. Patrick's Day and rest of your weekend. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Father John. Thank you, Bishop Scott. Have a good day. Have a good day, everybody.